Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Race for the Ring, episode 118. Coercion, Consent, and the Notion of No. With author... Liv Arnold. Welcome to the Race for the Ring, the podcast about dating and embracing self-love and inner confidence. I'm your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm an entrepreneur, two-time author, keynote speaker, television contributor, and soon-to-be psychotherapist. Since re-entering the dating world after my divorce, I found dating life eye-opening. In an age of online swiping and in-person meetups, I found the world of love and lust has been a confusing place to be. So each week, we will chat with a different dating king or queen, socialite, or relationship expert and explore the many facets of dating today and come up with our clear plan on how to find the finest fish in the sea. Ready, set, go! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Race for the Ring. Today, we're going to dive into uh, a more serious topic of sorts um, that's also super important for us to address in the dating space about the notion of what we're saying no is um, in the bedroom, especially in sexual encounters, in um, just making day-to-day decisions and protecting yourself and your integrity and your core values in addition to, obviously, your safety. Um, Our guest today is Liv Arnold. She is an author of three uh, amazing mental health skewed consent novels, which is, in my opinion, unique in the novel genre, um, romance genre space, I should say. Uh, Like many women, most women, she's had her encounter of sexual harassment and it's affected her well-being, but she's used those lessons and she's put them into her writing as a release for herself, but also as a platform for people to read in a more entertaining way, um, but also gain strength and information and knowledge to the characters that she writes about. Her Essentially, her goal is just to show her readers what is and what is not acceptable because she believes there's not enough awareness in mental health. I agree with that for wholeheartedly and most people are silenced through shame society's perceptions and sexism when they are victims of these types of situations so without further ado i'm going to get right into the chat with liv
Hi, Liv. Welcome to the Race for the Ring from Down Under. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to join you. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. I've never, I've never interviewed a novelist before. I usually have, I know like, obviously you have, um, you know, a push in the mental health space. That's amazing. And I've done a lot of things in that space in terms of dating, but I think your, 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 your bio and your backstory is so compelling. I'm an author, but I'm nonfiction. So I, I have so much um, respect for fiction. It's hard enough to write nonfiction, let alone like be so creative in the fiction space. Talk to us a little bit about your books and how you got into that and all that good stuff. Well, so uh, my first book, it was uh, a novella, so a romance. So all my books are romance. It was called Lauren Disorder, and that's an enemies to lovers type story and then I got a three book deal for an office romance series so it's all set in a company called Stepping um, not Stepping Stone Stone Corp where it's an investment Mm -hmm. company and each book is based on a different woman in the same team so they work in the data analytics and IT sort of team which is usually male dominated and um, the first book Eshton Stone came out two years ago and um, Stepping Stone came out this year and I actually started writing romance books because my husband, he plays a lot of computer games and I started reading romance books and and sitting behind him and just reading out these passages and saying, you never do any of this. And then I thought, I'll just invent my own dream man and, yeah, just went from there. I love that. I love it. And, but you also weave in so many interesting and important concepts, obviously, to real life, um, romance and just, you know, maneuvering the workplace, especially in the Me Too climate that we're in. Yeah. Can you explain, you know, that's unique. Is it not in, in that genre of literature? Um, I, yeah. More and more it's happening so that. Romance, even though it does take you to another world and it is a big fantasy, so some of the times, especially in romance books where the man is so perfect and you don't really meet that in real life. and Right, yeah. they don't exist, <laughs> at least in my opinion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I think um, like especially writing sex scenes, it needs to show that the consent is there regardless of the circumstances leading up to the event and it has to be an enthusiastic yes, otherwise it's a no. And um, I just wanted to do right by my readers, like if people see something where maybe the female character has been emotionally coerced into doing something, even if she did say yes, that's still not cool. So that, yes, mm-hmm. there's different aspects to think about. Like I wasn't even, well, I was aware about it, but I didn't know that um, coercion was a thing or like um, a manipulating thing um, in the dating world. And while reading more into it, it, it is something that does happen quite a bit, that coercion um, of maybe someone like, that keeps pressuring you to do something, which probably equals to someone asking you to buy something at a shop and then following you around and around until you finally give in. 
Right. Like you're almost being peer pressured, right? Yeah. In a sense, but yeah. in a sexual way. Yeah. So let's dive into that just a little bit for our listeners um, who may not be that familiar with that concept of coercion. Um, so that's like basically your date. It's like in the dating space because mm-hmm. it's a dating show, right? You're dating someone. And they want to be, I guess, intimate with you yeah. or whatever. And that's obviously very different for everyone listening because we'll get into this too than, um, you know, using like, I guess, power like that we see sometimes in the workplace or other yeah. circumstances where people can basically mm-hmm. benefit um, or or hinder your uh, growth, you know, if you don't go along with what they want or there's the fear of that, I guess. So in the coercion, it's more like people kind of like pressuring you and continually asking you and you still, like, and then you eventually give in. That's considered um, non-consent. Is that, is that essentially well, like the thought? Yeah, well, it's considered as a coercive control. So um, even if it's like after you've said no and the person that's been putting everything out there starts to act differently or starts ignoring you or going quiet. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's still a form of coercive control. And and if it's not, I guess, a 100% enthusiastic yes, as I mentioned before, it's a no. So that that's a lot of aspects that both men and women need to consider. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I've been coerced before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, because I don't like, I have an issue. I mean, not just sexually. I mean, think I definitely was too in that department, but that's another story for another day. But I think, I think in life, because I'm like a people pleaser and I don't like when people are angry with me or upset. And so then I always second guess like myself, well, maybe I should, maybe I'm being too like sensitive or maybe I'm being like too rigid or maybe I should just go with the flow, like, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. The more of the story would you say is really to kind of stay true to your intuition and your gut right and then yeah. try not to be influenced by other people's um agendas yeah like it, yeah because i think usually if something doesn't feel right it usually isn't but i know that's easier said than done to to try to mm-hmm. be strong to your values like i i do I have spoken to a psychologist before because I've always had anxiety and and I, I'm yeah. Let's get into some. Yeah. Of, we want to get into that too. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, you. Uh-huh. And um, so I've always been a big people pleaser. And um, sometimes if someone's done something to upset me or has done something completely wrong, I remember one time I sent pretty much a message explaining why it wasn't cool and um. Before I sent it, I actually read it out to the psychologist and and I was saying to her, is this too harsh? And because, like, I was just overthinking everything. Do, what did she say or he? Did they think that you should send it? Did they yeah. agree with what you were saying? Yeah. yeah. Just, but you weren't sure of yourself, I guess, to yeah. send it, right? I, You're, I, wasn't I do the same thing. <laughs> I'm right with you, Liv. <laughs> I, usually, I usually ask my friends, like, yeah. I'll, like – screenshot a text th- message or something before I send it like for like reinforcement that uh, yes we got your back you need to say that like it's wrong yeah. like you need to stick up for yourself yeah. yeah it's so funny because for me I don't know about you but like professionally I am all about sticking up for myself like I I look at my company almost as the, I have a PR firm so I look at the company almost as if a person it exists like that's like a real life person and I will go to town like like tooth and nail to like stick up for my firm and my clients and you know my brand 
when it comes to me. <laughs> It's a whole other ball game. It's so weird. I don't know. Do you find that is common among women specifically? Yeah. People need to, yeah, they just need to have more faith in themselves and back themselves more. And, um, yeah. And when I did read that message to the psychologist, she, she said I was very fact based, like there was no emotion in it. Like, and I gave very specific examples and she said, I think that's fair. And yeah. And then I just needed that backing of like someone to say. And then what happened when you sent it to the person? Were they respond, receptive to your, um, your um, claims? He, he, or did, was it a was it a blowout? No, he, he was receptive, um, but it took like a week or two later for any sort of response. I sort of like didn't think. That oh wow, you probably blind because he was probably in shock. Yeah, <laughs> like look at Liv, just shut up to me. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's important. People like kind of like make like you know. I think for me, I'm a psychology student, yeah. and graduate student, and a lot of what we learn in school mm-hmm. is just the fact that for our own self, like help, right. Just to maintain like what your core values are and try to yeah. stay true to your own core values and integrity. Cause I think it helps when like you are faced with situations that are yeah. uncomfortable, you can kind of like have a check-in and see, you know, what, um, what's working for you and what isn't. And this doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just a matter of obviously what fits for your yeah. own like mental health and mind. Okay, so that's coercion. Yeah. Um, can it, it, that's common in in romantic relationships, obviously too, and yeah. getting someone to like maybe get in bed with you, or like they're being cold because you weren't intimate with them, or you know did mm-hmm. something that they wanted you to do, or practice S and M. Just kidding. <laughs> just a thought okay so all right so there's that i like to have a little fun on this show sorry yes. i can't help myself um let's talk a little bit about um the me too elements yes. in terms of and how that obviously played out with your characters and i don't know if you had any real-time experiences that you put into the characters backstories or a little bit about that well so with that movement um it, it's so important for women to be seen and heard and um with my characters so with stepping stone um she is at a separation with her husband and they're working their way back to each other but um she's always had these secret desires and it's actually like bdsm and even though um sometimes fantasies like people might look down on fantasies and but it, it is completely healthy and normal just as long as you communicate it with the other person that you might wish to do that with respectfully and openly. And and as mm-hmm. women, I think we're often told that we can't express any desires or like there, there is that slut-shaming element. But uh, with mm-hmm. romance books more and more, w- women are more vocal with what they really want and they take control of their lives and and yeah, they do have an amazing sex, and that's something that everyone deserves. Right, right. I I fully agree. Yeah, I learned a lot about that too in school <laughs> because that. Uh, I mean, it's uh, we learn about like sexual disorders. That's not a disorder. Yeah. I mean, people do have like they can turn into one. I guess if you hurt the person, like you know, turns into like you know the rapist and like the mass murderer. I don't know why I'm laughing about that. It's terrible, mm-hmm. but like on a safe 
scale, then yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly normal. It's just a matter of, you know, what people enjoy, um, behind closed doors in private. But, um, but with the workplace and the power with workplace is specifically, um, I think that it really can be, you know, obviously bad for a variety of reasons when people violate, yeah. right? But um, but I often people say, um, at least from what I've heard, uh, you know, um, well, they didn't have the women didn't have to do that. Yeah. And I'm like, no, they didn't have to do that. But they also felt if they didn't do that, they were going to get like. Like you were going to basically plateau or they were going to lose their job yeah. or, you know, like they're, they feel, they felt like they didn't have like really any sort of, you know, um, way out like to, to, to get out of that circumstance. So, or maybe they did think they wanted to do mm. it, but the person was like obviously in a position of power or significantly older and, you know, kind of pressured them almost like the coercion that you said, right? Yeah. Like th- there is issues in the workplace still sometimes and you hear stories about complaints being taken up to HR and it's I guess not properly investigated or it's not taken seriously mm-hmm. but that depends on mm-hmm. the workplace and um and even after like after work um if you're not in the same team anymore if it's obvious that the person's not comfortable with any sort of suggestive remarks that even though you're not working the same place anymore, it, I, there still needs that level of respect there, regardless of if if you're still working together or not. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, it's really a messy, messy situation. At least it's like been brought to light, thankfully, and people are much more aware and like not hopefully not participating in that act anymore as much, I guess, that people still are, yeah. obviously. Um, what, what what do you – can you explain what you mean by an enthusiastic yes for our listeners? Um, so pretty much either you – either verbally or by your actions. So uh-huh. enthusiastic. If, if the person doesn't seem sure, they're saying, oh, I don't know, or it might not mm-hmm. be the right time, or uh, – um yeah or something they're like apprehensive a little bit or hesitant yeah 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 so like just saying it just voicing any sort of doubts like regardless of how small or small those doubts is that's not an enthusiastic yes yeah and then then the other partner should probably like back away a little bit yeah just like probably take a step back it it's always i think like as people no is a full sentence but like but it's still important like if you if you are with that person or are romantically involved to still have that open discussion and that direct communication as well Mm-hmm. 100%. Mm. Um, let's talk about the notion of changing your mind. I actually have an antidote, mm. um, sort of an antidote um, in that space, but I want to hear a little bit about what what you mean by that or how you see that playing out in the, like in the bedroom. So say you're like hooking up with a guy or a girl yeah. or whatever. Right. And then you thought you wanted to do it. Um, you're into it and then something shifted, right. For whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and you want to stop. Maybe you're like, I don't know, you're having second thoughts or whatever. That isn't consent then. Right. Even though yeah. you said yes. And now you're saying no. Can yeah. You explain though how that, doesn't always sometimes people don't like obviously 
follow through, they continue to like proceed to have sex with a person. Yeah. That would you, okay. Okay. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Like, yeah, pe- I, people don't really talk about that that often and mm-hmm. regardless of what you've done beforehand so even if you suggested I want to meet up with you to hook up with you and then everything mm-hmm. is going fine and, and you're both enjoying yourself but then up until a moment there might be a moment where something clicks and and it doesn't feel right or you're not comfortable anymore and if you voice that or you physically do something to push that person away um, mm-hmm. anything regardless of what you did beforehand you're, you're allowed to say stop at any point even if you're in the middle of doing something and um and I, I know that's a foreign concept to some people um yeah especially with all the build-up that happened beforehand and mm-hmm. yeah but at any point you like people do have that voice or that ability to to stop whatever they're doing and 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 take a step back and reevaluate if, if they're not comfortable or they decide they didn't make the right decision. Mm-hmm. And ladies should, or men, whoever, yeah. need to know that they obviously they have the right to do that. I think people are probably like, I may have those thoughts and then feel like, oh God, I have to do it, or yeah. how am I going to get this person off me, <laughs> or whatever. I I. I had a situation, as I alluded, I was going to share an antidote. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like to sometimes chime in with my own life experiences. So, it's not exactly that. Like, I wasn't in an in intimate, being intimate with somebody and then changed my mind. Mm-hmm. But I was, um, I went away for a weekend with this guy. And um, this guy, this guy I was dating. I was dating him for a couple months. I knew him. He was not long distance, though. So, I didn't see him a whole mm-hmm. bunch. Anyway, he came, he came, he flew in to see me and we went um, to the shore and the Jersey shore for the weekend. And he, I didn't realize this, but he had like a drinking problem. And uh, for me, that's a, for, it's a turn off to me. Like I'm not a drinker to begin with and mm-hmm. I, whatever. So he proceeded to get really, really drunk. And, um, during the day, like the next day, and I, didn't realize he was drinking as much as he was because he was kind of like masking a lot of it kind of hit. It's hard. I don't get into all that. Anyway, I came to find out he was pretty smashed. So, (laughs) so, and I also was like not enjoying his company. So I was like kind of wanting to leave, kind of hoping the weekend would just hurry up and end. Um, And so I decided when I saw how drunk he was that I wanted to leave. I had my own car. Well, it was my, I was, basically his car too because he came with me because he flew in but I didn't really care so I (laughs) I have my own car and um I went up to the room like at the hotel we were staying in and I was like hopefully they just like quickly like pack my bag back up and then get sneak out or just tell him I'm leaving but he followed me up um unbeknownst to me and like locked the door and like was very being very forceful with me like trying to like you know be intimate and I was like I want to leave and he was like hurt me like he pushed me and it was like it was that's like almost rape basically but I was like he's like you but I bring it up in this circumstance because he was like you told me you I came out here to see you and like blah 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 and like we we had spent time together before that um 
And it was always in the back of my head. I thought he drank too much, but I was always sort of like, I'll give him one more chance and see like if he does it in this situation as well. Like he just needed to drink. I mean, he had a, obviously had an alcohol problem, which is unfortunate for him. Yeah. But um, it was just really bad because he was like making it seem as though I changed my mind. I'm like, well, I, yeah, I changed my mind because this isn't what I signed up for. Like we were supposed to have like a fun weekend at the shore. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, go like to dinner and go shopping and like hang out with each other. Or like I didn't know you were gonna get like smashed and like you know not be able to do my you're not fun like this like you know anyway it was it was an awful circumstance but I have to say for me I left I was fine I didn't he didn't hurt me at the end of the day and we didn't sleep together so I wasn't raped thank mm-hmm. God but um I was strong like I was almost hesitant even in all of that you know, before I went to the room, I was like on the fence to even leave, even though I really wanted to leave. I felt so obligated to stay because I felt like he didn't have his car. Like I was his ride back to, you know, like the Philadelphia and like he came to see me and like we had this trip planned and he paid for the hotel and like, you know, he had these like expensive dinner reservations and I knew he was like taking me there and I just felt like, oh, what do I do? So I can only imagine Mm -hmm. The, 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 um, I guess like the conflict I felt in that situation versus someone who's actually like in the act and then changes their mind. It must be really hard for people. Like they need to know, right? That they can and it's completely fair and they're right. Yeah. And you don't owe someone anything, especially if I, in your circumstances, that's probably the worst time to find out that person has a drinking problem. Like when you're on the way on a trip together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, we're not on a holiday. And uh, thankfully, we weren't far from where I live. We only, it would have been a gazillion yeah. times worse if I flew out to, to, he lived in Chicago, if I flew out to Chicago, yeah. which I averted. I think he wanted me to do that. And I switched the plans and brought him out to me because I still was like not sure about him. I mean, I could have just checked myself into mm-hmm. a hotel. I guess it wouldn't have mattered. But I, um, yeah, I would have been out of my comfort zone yeah. being like in another city. At least I was, felt like I had like, you know, my house, my car, like I could kind of have a little more independence to get away, (laughs) escape, (laughs) escape the wrath of him. But yeah, oh, that was terrible. Um, thankfully a while back though, it's kind of, whatever, but just like going through this topic that made me think of that situation. So so we talked about enthusiastic consent. We talked about changing our mind. We talked about power and control. Um, any other, um, topics with sexual consent you think are important to address with our listeners that you've weaved into? And then also I want to touch on your anxiety and how Mm -hmm. that plays into your writing as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes you hear women, I guess make jokes or it might be in a movie or TV show saying he paid for an expensive dinner, he went all out, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bought bought me all these things and then they feel obligated to take things further and it Mm -hmm. comes across as a bit of a joke like movie or TV shows but regardless of like what they paid for, like I, I guess that's a common occurrence. Like you're still not obligated to do anything, right? I mean, you're not Julia Roberts um, in Pretty Woman. Yeah. Like you're not a 
<laughs> right? No, of course not. But I do think people probably do feel obligated for because of that. Yeah. I have a tendency, if I'm not feeling it with a guy, I give the gift back. I've gotten many a gifts that I've returned because I didn't want to feel I just like, it's thank you, but it's not it's too soon or, you know, because <laughs> I do feel, I feel obligated then. Like if I don't like, if more not to sleep with them, more like, and how am I going to break up with them? You yeah. know what I mean? Like that kind of. <laughs> yeah, it'll be more. Boring. How am I kicking you to the curb when they gave me the diamonds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it makes it tougher. But people try to buy your love. That's not good, obviously, either. That's, I guess, a form of like coercion, as yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's dive in a little bit to the anxiety elements um, and how you've incorporated that into the writing and giving back in that space. Mm-hmm. That's so great that you do that. Thank you. Um, so mm-hmm. I always had anxiety. I didn't even know what it was when I was younger. So even when I was at school, I would be um, the night before, I'll be awake until the sun came up, worried about really small things and um I guess when you're five years old, you don't really realize you're having anxiety and that kept going until I reached adulthood. And I, so I've always worried about small things. If people are mad at me, I think about the worst case scenarios a lot. Like my thoughts might start to spiral a little bit. Um, I've seen psychologists about it and I, and I am on medication um, to try mm-hmm. to get control that anxiety but it doesn't always work and I use writing as that form of escape because when I'm writing I'm thinking of fictional characters and um and I guess made up storylines so in the fictional world so it takes my mind off things Mm -hmm. and yeah and I find it quite therapeutic going to yeah just going to writing to help me just work through any uh, emotions and sometimes I bring those thoughts and emotions into my writing so with my book stepping stone the main male character he has ptsd from the war but some of the symptoms mm-hmm. are also anxiety and i use some of that mm-hmm. aspects that that general feeling of what i felt and put it into that character and um i, I was moved by some of the reviews that said it was good to normalize um mental oh health yeah too. Totally, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I'm just listening to you as you were describing. I'm like, I have anxiety too. <laughs> I do. I I think I had it. I think you know. I don't know your age, but I'm in my mid forties, and I think it wasn't. There was not as much awareness certainly mm. back then, and when I was growing up, and probably the same case for you. Maybe I remember for me, I was like. I would stay up too. I had like insomnia, but it started like I was afraid of a fire. I think I had like, we had like, it was fire prevention week in second grade and the firefighters came and they went through the whole, you know, escape route, like with, you know, like you should do that with your family. And it's good to know it's, it was good. But for me, I had something switched in my brain and I got so scared that I was going to be stuck in a fire at night. So I couldn't fall asleep. I was like horrible. And then I had anxiety that I wasn't falling asleep <laughs> for the rest of like the year I was like up because I was like I didn't want to be tired for school and then yeah, and it was just bad <laughs> yeah and then and I dwell a lot and I I worry about things too I try not to think too much into the future because I think I being a you know a psychology student helped a lot in that way because you're more self-aware I think yeah. but yeah try to be just focused but I I agree with what you're saying with the writing I I find the same thing because you you escape in your writing it's a healthy escape it's not like 
obviously better than doing, uh, you know, drugs or something, <laughs> God forbid. But no, it's, it's definitely helpful and creative and it gives your mind a release and you can focus on something that obviously positive and goal setting and then you're helping other people and that's good. Yeah. yeah PTSD is huge too. So more now than ever, it's kind of like anxiety. There's just so much more awareness yeah. about it. So yeah, no. it's great. And, um, I think it's, um, especially for men, uh, mm-hmm. like studies show that men don't go seek help as often for mental health Mm-mm. challenges mm-hmm. compared to women. Yeah, they, they don't. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. don't discuss their feelings or what's going on So, um, because they, I guess they have to put up some form of facade or persona. And I, I, mm-hmm. I like to think of issues for or for both men and women that they might be mm-hmm. facing, and that they are usually realistic issues too. But um, but it's good to find an avenue to help control anxiety or any mental health challenges that mm-hmm. you might be facing. Like I recently discovered um, Wim Hof challenge. I don't know if you. What did you What did you discover? The Wim Hof challenge, where you take what's that? You take what's that? You take cold showers, and then so uh-huh. if you're like spiraling, your thoughts out of control. If you go take a cold shower, the only thing you're thinking about is this is cold. Oh, it's how cold the shower is. <laughs> and I mean, oh, <gasps> it's like the ice bucket challenge, but not. <laughs> so wait, so you like jump in the shower with ice cold water, <laughs> and then you feel better after that? Yeah. Huh. So, so I'm just That's interesting. I'm just. Like I don't enjoy it while it's happening, but like, um, but no, but that's good. I I like I take a walk, but then sometimes I'm still thinking while I'm walking. Yeah, and I'm not supposed to be. I'm supposed to be looking at the trees and the birds and stuff, and like take my mind off whatever yeah. it is that's bothering me. That's a good idea. I'll try that. Yeah, the cold wind, cold wind. It's called. Um, so it's by a man from Iceland. So, um, Wim Hof, so W-I-M. Oh, Wim Hof. Okay. I don't know why I said cold wind. Okay. <laughs> I was just me thinking about being outside in the cold. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Any other tidbits of advice you can share with people who have anxiety well, that you do that works for you? I, I go for walks a lot and through, um, going through meditation type online short courses, I'm meant to, mm-hmm like pretty much pick out a few things. So I'm staying focused in the present, like notice a particular leaf on the tree or notice a smell that's mm-hmm. gone past. But sometimes while I'm doing that, my mind still floats elsewhere, but I guess it takes practice with. Yeah. Practice. I think you're supposed to bring yourself back. I Same with me. Yeah. I, and I'm like, well, at least I sat. <laughs> I sat quiet for 10 minutes, so... Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to just keep bringing your head back to, like, your mind to... I don't know. It is good, though. I'm I'm an advocate for meditating. I'm just not very good at the yeah. practice myself, either. It's meant yeah. to take a lot practice of practice. makes perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 But- but I will tell you this. This is my tip for you and everyone listening. Sometimes when I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't fall back asleep, I just do meditate to myself. I don't put on like – I don't put the app on and listen okay. to somebody. That's I just cool. focus on my breathing and then I get tired and I fall back asleep. Uh-huh. I mean, you really have to focus. So I'm like in and out. Yeah. I think like when I breathe in, I think of a blue color because it's colder air. And then when I breathe out, I think of like fuchsia or pink. And like I, that's like what I make my mind think about. And then within minutes, I'm – 
I could fall asleep now if I was talking. <laughs> I just relax myself verbally. That's awesome. Um, anyway, all right, we are out of time, Miss Liv. It was so lovely Thank speaking you. with you. It's so <laughs> early in the morning. Now, are you going to sleep now, or is this part? Are you up for the day? Like, what is? It's like we, when we started recording. You said what? It was two thirty a.m. in Australia. Yeah, but is that right? I'm a night person, so I tend to stay up late and do a lot of my writing, and then I'll go to sleep. Yeah. During the day, okay. You'd you'd farewell in, in morning news then. That's sort of the lifestyle that I led for a decade. All right. Well, thank you thank so you. much. Good luck with everything. I appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so fun. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Race for the Ring. Today's episode was produced by Liz Hartshorn and edited by Danielle Gordon. I so appreciate your ear and insight. And if you like today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast. Just like a dull dude can be the kiss of death. Be sure to check out my new book, You Don't Need to Be a Bitch to Be a Boss. It's available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. And say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at Mindy.Barnett. See you next week. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.